You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Hi, I'm on location in the Chicago area, and I'll be reading Genesis 18, verses 1 through 8. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the Oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, kneaded and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. On the road again, going places that I've never been, seeing things that I may never see again. I can't wait to get on the road again. On the road again, like a man who gets his, we go down. Please pray with me. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Some of you may know that my in-laws live in Minnesota, and they don't like to travel by airplane, so anytime they come to visit us in Michigan, they arrive after a multi-day road trip. It takes at least 13 hours if you drive straight through from Red Wing, Minnesota, where they live, to here in Clarkston. And usually, because they're road tripping the whole way, they stay at least a week when they come to visit. So we typically, prior to their arrival, plan meals, and we go grocery shopping before they arrive, and we like to purchase the kinds of things that we know that they like. For example, they like half and half in their coffee. That's their preferred way to drink their coffee. They like sparkling water, at least my mother-in-law does. And we like to plan a particular kind of hearty meal for that first evening when they arrive because they've been on the road usually eating, you know, the kinds of things you eat on the road and they like to have a home-cooked meal when they they get to our house. And then the afternoon that they're scheduled to arrive, after we've done the grocery shopping and made up the guest room and all this stuff, that afternoon when they're scheduled to arrive, we wait. And... We watch out the window and we peer down the street, and this is particularly true now that we have a two-year-old with us who knows that her grandma and grandpa are coming to visit. She likes to play out in the front yard so that she can be the first one to look down the road and see their car approaching and say, that's grandma and grandpa, they're here. It's so exciting to wait for guests to arrive when you've planned for them, you've prepared, you're expecting their arrival. Meanwhile, in scripture, we find Abraham making the same kinds of plans for people that he has never met before. 
people that he's not sure when they're going to arrive. Now, my favorite, one of my favorite professors in seminary, Dr. Amy Oden, wrote a book called God's Welcome about hospitality, and she particularly writes about this passage from Genesis. And she says, this passage became the paradigm for the early church for what it means to welcome people what hospitality looks like. Again and again, the early Christian church would refer to this passage and say, okay, well, what did Abraham do? What did Sarah do? Odin writes that Abraham had been waiting outside of his tent all day with the express purpose of looking for travelers. And the sun was hot, you heard in scripture. It would not necessarily be comfortable to sit outside your tent and watch down the road. And unlike my family watching for our in-laws to arrive by car, Abraham does not know who is going to be coming. He does not know when they're going to be coming. He's just hoping, expecting that someone eventually is going to pass that way. And he doesn't want to miss it when they do arrive. Now God had called Sarah and Abraham to settle in this specific spot, the site of this story, decades ago. He had called, he had been called, Abraham and Sarah had been called to put up a tent under these sheltering trees in this oasis along the road. Now, you probably remember earlier in Scripture when God calls Abraham and Sarah to go to a new place. God calls them and says, go to a place you've never been before, this land I'm going to show you. Do you remember that passage? Do you remember that story? Well, this is the place. Now, if I'm being truthful, this is one of the places because they'd been on a really long journey before that time and they have far yet to go because eventually God is going to tra- call them to travel all the way south to Egypt. But it was this place where our scripture passages for this morning, outside the city of Hebron, that they called home for a very long time. They lived in this place for a very long time and it was a spot full of shade. It was a place that provided respite from the desert road It was an oasis for travelers, like Sarah and Abraham once had been. Travelers like they soon would go on to be again. They also lived in this spot that was right by the road. Very convenient for welcoming travelers if you chose to do that. And it was a road that was not extremely well-traveled. I thought this was interesting. They received travelers maybe every week or two, every 10 days maybe. So for Abraham to sit out there expectantly waiting, he may not have seen anybody on that day. He may have gone 10 days without seeing anybody on that road, and yet still, he waited, expectantly, hoping, trusting. And so when these three travelers do come into view, Abraham runs out to greet them, and he says, please stop. Please stop and rest. And as soon as they say, yeah, okay, he says to Sarah, okay, we've got to get food, we've got to get something to drink. Um, he starts taking care of the logistics, the preparations for these visitors. We know that it makes a difference when somebody is ready to welcome you. It makes a difference when somebody's taking care of the logistics so that you're taking care of. Now, earlier this year, my husband Joel and I took a road trip. We went to Washington, D.C. for vacation, and we took our two-year-old daughter, Maxine, And on the way, we stayed over at one of our good friends from seminary's house, Hannah, and her husband, Ben. And they don't have kids, and so, um, and I know their their house has a lot of staircases and uh, nice objects, which when you're a parent of a two-year-old, you think, please don't let my child break anything in their house. And so we arrived, 
And Ben and Hannah greeted us, and they greeted Maxine, and they pulled out a basket of toddler-friendly toys. They had magnetiles, they had a little playhouse, they had uh, little plastic unbreakable figurines, and our daughter was very excited. It seems like a small thing, it is kind of a small thing, but it made us feel extremely welcome. It made us feel like they had prepared for us to be there. Well, it turns out Ben and Hannah, although they don't have their own kids at this time in life, they have a lot of friends who have kids, and they want all of their friends and all their kids of their friends to feel welcome at their house. So when they come, they feel like, hey, there's a, there's a place for me. I'm needed, I'm wanted here. It's pretty cool. Now, it's one thing to prepare for a friend to arrive at your house. It's another thing to live like Abraham, prepared to welcome in strangers. I learned about a website recently called warmshowers.org, and it's a hospitality site for people who ride bicycles. I asked at first service and nobody had heard of this. Has anybody heard of this? Warmshowers.org? No. Okay. Uh, If you plan to ride your bicycle across the state or across the country, and you're traveling by bike, so you may not have a vehicle with you, you may have um, a trailer or you may have a backpack or something like that, you can sign up through the site and you can see where people might be willing to host you and give you, as the site says, a warm shower, a place to sleep. And if you also like bicycling but you're not planning a trip right now, you can sign up to be a host site. And then you can kind of find one another and a cyclist can say, well, I'm passing through Clarkston. Uh, Does July 10th work for you? And you can look at their profile and see what interests you have in common and decide if, in fact, you'd like to host somebody that you have never met, that uh, perhaps the only thing you share in common is a love of bicycling. And I thought to myself, what a strange thing. It's very biblical to open up your house to strangers, to people that you've never met before. But to have these folks say, you know, the only thing we share in common or the main thing that we know we share in common is bicycling, and that is enough for me to open my house to you and say, come on in. Use my shower, use my guest room, have a warm place to stay. As people of faith, we may not be ready to open up our guest room to somebody we meet on the internet, and perhaps we shouldn't, but... Our calling is to open up our hearts and to open up our lives to people that we don't yet know well, people we aren't yet friends with. And we want to do that in a safe and authentic way. And yet, it is a calling that's filled with uncertainty. Abraham continued to open his home up to strangers, and he provided for them. And we know that this is not the first time that he has done this because he's at the tent outside the tent at the ready, and he has all the plans in place. Okay, well, you go get this and get the choicest flower, and this is what you're going to do. He had done this many times. This was a man who had been practicing this. Sarah had been practicing this. And it just so happens that on this particular occasion, some of the travelers on the road reveal themselves to be divine messengers. In fact, many artists have portrayed portrayed the travelers in our scripture today as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit the Trinity on a road trip. And Abraham is ready to welcome them in. Abraham is ready because he's practiced and he's prepared and he's welcomed in many people before. Well, you know who else showed hospitality in the Bible? There have been lots of people. One of them, just a few chapters later in Genesis, is Rebecca. Now, she's a woman who 
uh, is at the well one day and a servant comes up and says, well, can you give me some water? And she does. And then she says, well, not only am I going to give you water, but I'm going to give water to all of your camels. Turns out this man has almost a dozen camels with him and to pull water by hand out of a well for almost a dozen camels was no small feat. It would have been a physically demanding task. And yet she says, I'm going to go above and beyond for these travelers. And she is hailed as a formative figure in scripture that we should all aspire to be a little bit more like. And then beyond Rebecca, Jesus. You probably remember the passage where he took loaves of bread and he took fish and he multiplied them to feed thousands of people. What is that if not hospitality? And then later on at the Last Supper, he draws all his disciples close to him and rather than, well, he gives a big speech, but rather than leaving it at that, he kneels at their feet. He washes this dusty, dirty part of them, their feet. It's an act of hospitality and humility. And he tells his disciples, go out into the world, go from village to village, visit people, rely on their hospitality. And if people don't welcome you, that's okay. Just shake the dust off your feet and move on to the next place. Because for Jesus, welcoming people was a sign of readiness for faith. And if people weren't willing to be welcome, he said, it's okay, move on. I think many of us are good at welcoming people that we know. I think if we're welcoming people into our house, most of us know, okay, well, I'm going to offer them, do they need something to drink? Um, If they're staying for a longer period of time, we, we know what kinds of things we like to put in place to take care of our guests. A lot of us are good at that, enjoy doing that. The more challenging part is welcoming the people that we don't know so well. And I think it's particularly true in our faith community. All of us are on a journey of faith. I think that's important to remember as we think about this passage, as we think about hospitality. None of us have arrived yet. Sarah and Abraham, they were living in tents in these temporary dwelling places on their way to the next thing. All of us are on a spiritual road trip And each Sunday, each activity is a pit stop on the way as we seek to grow, as we seek to ask questions, as we take detours over here and that way and this way. And we're all on a journey. And so if faith is a road trip, if we're on a spiritual journey, which I believe we all are, then church, this church, should be an oasis, a safe place to stop place to be fed. Abraham was waiting expectantly for visitors just like we should be doing in the church because there are always going to be people who are looking for a safe place to rest, a safe place to be renewed and find out what's next for them. Now Abraham, he wasn't pacing in his tent worrying about what might happen when the visitors would get there and he didn't run down the road and coerce them and say, and drag them in. He waited expectantly. He invited them in, and then once they said yes, he started to prepare and and do those things that would make them feel at ease and welcomed. True hospitality is thinking about those needs that our visitors might have, anticipating what might be required. Like when we went to, my husband and I went to our friend's house, and they had this bin of toys. They anticipated, when kids come here, they're going to need something to do. My husband is a pastor. He serves the Goodrich United Methodist Church. 
and he told me about a, one of his church members at the Goodrich Church who is wheelchair bound, and he in particular has worked tirelessly to make sure that those people with mobility issues feel welcome at their church. And this church member said, you know, if I arrive somewhere and people move a chair to make a space for me, it's fine, I feel welcome. And he said, but I, if, if I arrive and there is already a space for me, then I know that I was expected. And that's different. As Christians, we're called to expect people. We need to prepare our church and our spirits to expect all kinds of different people. We need to expect that there will be children who come among us. We need to expect that there will be people with mobility differences who come among us. We need to expect that people with sensory needs, sensory differences will come among us. We need to expect people who are not sure about church. We need to expect people who are new to the area. We need to expect people who are newly retired. We need to expect people who maybe have been hurt by churches in the past. And it can feel a little bit overwhelming when we think about the numerous different types and situations of people that we hope to expect. And yet, our calling is to be a place that's so prepared that when any one of these people, any one of the children of God walks through our door, they look around and say, you know what? I was expected here. They're ready for me. So how do we do that? I think in a church, it can look simple. Did you notice there are busy bags as you walked through the narthex on that far side there? They're just colorful bags hanging on hooks. Reverend Christie put those together so that if there are ever kids coming into worship and they are a little squirmy as all kids are, they have something to do, pages to color and little fidget toys. Sometimes expecting all kinds of people can be more involved. Like several years ago, we renovated our entire building to make sure that we have better ramps we have better handicap accessible bathrooms. We have uh, an elevator that goes up to our children's wing, which we didn't have, believe it or not, just a couple years ago. Expecting people, all kinds of people, looks like Reverend Christie putting sensory toys and activities into our children's classrooms. It looks like our mind-body-spirit team arranging classes that go beyond Bible studies so people can interact with faith through yoga or through art or through um, even technology classes. Expecting all kinds of people has led us to declare as a congregation that one of our core values is inclusion for all, regardless of race or age or marital status, regardless of identity on the LGBTQIA spectrum. Words matter in addition to our actions. And then on a Sunday-to-Sunday -Sunday basis, Expecting visitors, expecting all kinds of people, means that we intentionally look for those faces that we don't recognize in the pews. And this can be hard because many of us love coming to church to see our friends, to see the people that we know. And yet, during that greeting time, when Michelle had you turn around and shake hands, often we turn to those people we know first, and we neglect the people who maybe haven't been here before or who haven't made deep connections yet. I'd challenge us in the weeks ahead, make sure you're looking for the faces that you don't know well yet when we get to greeting time. Sometimes expecting all kinds of people means you go out on a limb, outside your comfort zone, and you volunteer to be a greeter or an usher. We're always looking for greeters, and that's the first face people see as they walk through these doors. It's so important to have you all volunteering in that role so people know that 
They're expected. We anticipate that we will get visitors coming into this place. Expecting visitors, expecting all kinds of people means making sure families feel welcome when they're in worship too. We don't have any squirmy loud kids this morning, but sometimes we do. And as the parent of a squirmy loud kid, I gotta tell you, it means so much when the people near you in the pews or near you in the room look and and they smile or they say, I'm so glad you're here instead of giving you the stink eye because your kid is squirming during the prayer. We all know it happens. In our own lives, I think expecting all kinds of people means looking, like, looking for opportunities to invite people along with us. Maybe inviting somebody to go golfing with you that you don't know yet. Inviting a new family to join yours for vacation Bible school or for the movie month when it comes in January. Our calling as a church is to create an oasis here, to create a safe space for people to shelter from the storms, to create an oasis where we can refuel, we can renew, we can launch again into the rest of the road trip that is set before us. And we might get tired and we might get dusty and dirty and knocked down, but we know we can come back to this oasis and refuel. We invite and we expect visitors not as people who have arrived or who've got it all together, but as people who are also on the journey, people who are also on this road trip of faith and trying to figure out what the next step is God is calling us to. So I ask you this morning, how's God calling you to prepare your spirit to welcome a visitor at church? How is God calling you specifically to change your heart or change your mind so that the next time you walk through these doors, you're looking for those unfamiliar faces. And then in your personal life, how is it that God is calling you to perhaps open your life or open your home to somebody who's worth getting to know that you may not know well yet? May we, like Abraham, like Rebecca, like Jesus, Always be ready to extend hospitality. May we prepare our homes and our church with the expectation of welcoming travelers, pilgrims, people who are on a journey like us. And may we truly seek to provide an oasis for others. May it be so. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.